0: Today's scripture comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 16, verses 24 to 28. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? What shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. This is the word of the Lord. Pray with me once more. Father, we commit this time to you. God, would you speak to us through this passage? And pray that uh, if this is an area where we have been faithful, um, help give us humility so that we'll be able to receive um, your loving rebuke uh, with humility and help us be able to uh, apply. the word into our lives. God, we commit this time to you. Thank you. In Christ, let me pray. Amen. I used to watch a uh, TV show called I'm a Singer. Uh, it's a very popular uh, Korean uh, singing competition. It's called in Korean, "Nanan Kasuda." So through this show, uh, many singers were given Opportunity, a platform to showcase uh, their talents. And all the singers practice and rehearse over and over again so that they can outperform one another, so that their performance will stand out. And it is true that the, all the contestants practice and rehearse religiously, meticulously, in order to wow the audience, in you know, order to win the competition, to be recognized for their talents, and to, to be remembered for their amazing and unforgettable performances. But there's something so much bigger at stake here for all the contestants, which is their identity as a singer. Every time they step onto that stage to sing, their identity as a singer is on the line. And they're singing their hearts out, not just uh, for a standing ovation, not just uh, to be recognized. They sing because that's who they are. And at the end of the day, They want to be able to say with confidence and without any shame, I am a singer. I am a singer. And they want people to be able to confirm that. Oh, he is a singer. She is a singer. This morning, as we delve into today's passage together, I would like for us to ponder the following questions. Can you confidently say, I am a Christian? Can you confidently say, I am a disciple of Jesus Christ? I'll be raising two points uh, during this sermon. Point number one, counting the cost of discipleship. Point number two, counting the cost of non-discipleship. With that in mind, let's jump into the first point together, counting the cost of discipleship. In verse 24, Jesus explicitly mentions uh, two things that we must do in order to follow him. Number one, deny yourself. Number two, take up your cross. Denying yourself, which means that it's not about you anymore. It's all about Jesus. You're telling Jesus, I will lay down my life for you. It's not about my plans, not my dreams Not my ambitions, it's all about you, your kingdom, and your glory. Taking up your cross. I mean, this is something that I think we tend to take way too lightly as Christians, as disciples of Jesus Christ. Let me read your words uh, from Dietrich Bonhoeffer uh, from the book, The Cost of Discipleship, because I do believe that these words are sobering reminder for all of us. And I quote, The cross is laid on every Christian the first Christ-suffering which every man must experience is the call to abandon the attachments of this world. It is that dying of the old man which is the result of his encounter with Christ. As we embark upon discipleship, we surrender our lives, our, ourselves to Christ in union with his death. We give, up, we give over our lives to death. Thus it begins, the cross is not the terrible end to an otherwise God-fearing and happy life, but it meets us at the beginning of our communion with Christ. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. It may be like a death that of the first disciples who had to leave home and work to follow him, or it may be a death like Luther's who had to leave the monastery and go out into the world, but it is the same death every time, death in Jesus Christ, the death of the old man at his call. picking up our crosses daily to follow Jesus, to be his disciple, I think this is something we take way too lightly because during Jesus' days, the cross was a symbol of death which included rejection, humiliation, mistreatment, pain, suffering, persecution. Being identified with Jesus Christ meant the disciples, they were willing to go through all of this which meant that they were willing to literally die for Jesus, and some of them did. Denying yourself and taking up your cross. In a nutshell, you're telling Jesus, I will follow you, and I'm willing to die for you. I will lay down my life for your kingdom and for your glory to advance your kingdom. It means I surrender all to you. I will gladly give up everything to you, and I will gladly uh, give give everything to you, and I will gladly give up everything for you. You're telling Jesus, here I am at your service, and that's what it means to be a disciple. That's what it means to deny yourself and take up your cross on a daily basis and follow Jesus Christ. And how many of us can confidently say, I'm a Christian? I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I'm not sure if you guys are are familiar with the concept of stolen valor. Uh, In 2003, um, a federal law was passed, and it's called the Stolen Valor Act of 2013, and it is a United States federal law that was passed by the 113 United States Congress. The law amends the Federal Criminal Code to, uh, to make it a crime, for a person to fraudulently claim having received a valid award specified in the act and with the intention of obtaining money, property, or other tangible benefit by convincing another that he or she received the award. This has been a prevalent thing, and this has been a, a, a problem. And so, so the Congress is actually pushing it so that people who do this get busted for it, and, and they, they get imprisoned, they, have, they, pay, they pay fine for it, Right? And this is what happens when you deliberately impersonate a member of the armed forces, when you have nothing to do with it. You're just pretending, you're just imitating. You're, a, you're an imposter, right? You're pretending to be somebody you are not. And if you actually search, uh, Google search, Google image search, stolen valor, you'll see images of people who are caught. <laughs> and if you actually go to YouTube, and search Stolen Valor, there's a channel, uh, There's actually an account dedicated to this, and it's called uh, The Guardians of Valor. More than 90,000 subscribers, and, th- and their mission is to identify and call out all these in- imposters, people who walk around pretending to be somebody that they're not. And if you watch these videos, you'll be able to notice that there's a common theme, and they, on the outside, they all look real. They all look real. However, the closer you get to them, the more you observe them, the more you listen and pay careful attention to their quote-unquote fabricated stories. You eventually come to the realization that what they are saying is not true, and and that they who they are claiming to be is not true. They're fake. They're wannabes, pretenders, imposters. What about you guys? What about us? Now, are you a real Christian? Are you a real disciple of Jesus Christ? How authentic is your Christian life? How intimate is your personal walk with God? Do the people around you know that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ? Do your neighbors know? Do your coworkers know? Do the people that you hang around with, do they know your love for Jesus, and your faith in Jesus Christ? What if you ended up moving to a new city where no one knows who you are? You're starting all over. And after spending some time getting to know some people on a personal level, and people eventually find out that you are a Christian. But here's the thing. After observing your lifestyle, And based on the choices and the decisions that you make and how you spend your time and the things that you value, the things that you neglect, what will they say? Will they be able to affirm your identity as a disciple of Jesus Christ? Or will they flat out call you out for being a fraud? Because there is a disconnect between what you say and how you live. Can we be honest for a moment here? Because if you grew up in the church, or if you're in attending church for a long time, you know exactly how to behave, act, and sound like a genuine Christian without being one. You know how to fit in. You know how to go, through, go with the, the, the flow and the motions, right? And you know exactly how to look and appear as if you're passionately in love with Jesus, even though your heart is so far away from him and that you have forsaken and abandoned your first love? And here's the question that we all need to honestly ask ourselves, no matter how uncomfortable it gets for us. And here's the thing. Have I been faking it? Have I just been pretending and and imitating? Am I more committed to practicing and mastering the art of deception, deceiving people around me, that I am someone that, that who I'm claimed to be, but which is not the case, is that what I'm more committed to doing rather than genuinely and wholeheartedly following Jesus Christ. Because as David Platt reminds us, the cost of discipleship is great. It is to live with radical abandonment for his glory Faithful adherence to his person, urgent obedience to his ministry, and this is costly. And I want to ask you guys these two questions, and I hope you can think about this as you go back home and even throughout this week and as you get ready to um, open up another new year. Hopefully, this will set the tone, but what is it costing you to follow Jesus. What is it costing you to be a disciple of Jesus? Because if you're genuinely walking with him, and if you're faithfully following him, that means that it's costing you something. But what is that? If you have a hard time answering these two questions, then, then I want to challenge you to honestly evaluate your heart, where your current walk with God is, whether that is intimate and whether, whether your walk with God is real or whether you've been pretending, right? Jump to our next point, counting the cost of non-discipleship. Let me quote David Platt concerning the cost of discipleship and the, and the, the cost of non-discipleship. The cost of discipleship is great, but the cost of non-discipleship is far, far greater the cost of non-discipleship is great for scores of people in the church sitting comfortably right now under the banner of Christianity but have never counted the cost of following Christ, many eternally deceived. There is great cost for all who settle for a casual association with Jesus and miss out on the abundance and satisfaction and joy that he has designed for us. There is cost that comes to monotonous routine Christianity. Don't do it and don't leave churches like that. We'll waste our lives away like that. The cost will be great for us in the church, and the cost of nominal Christianity will be great for those who are lost in this world. Because in our casual approach to Christianity, we are leaving them on the road that leads to an eternal hell. The consequences to casual Christianity are tragic, eternally tragic. And here David Platt, he calls out every single Christian who is doing it just casually. It's against Sunday Christianity. It's against nominal Christianity, against easy Christianity, against comfortable Christianity, against casual Christianity. Because to be a follower of Jesus Christ, that is costly. For some, it's costing their lives. And here's the thing. I think because we got so accustomed to being comfortable in America, because we can buy comfort. We can make our lives comfortable as much as we want. We just have to spend money for it. Then that does have spiritual implications. It's all about me, 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 my comfort. And as long as, as, long as I have just enough Jesus in my life, and I, when I die, I'll go to heaven and I'm content with that. But is that the true call of discipleship? Is that what God demands of us? I think J.C. Ryle, he, he definitely uh, hit it on the mark when he said, the highest form of selfishness is that of a man who is content to go to heaven alone. And I wonder how many of us are guilty of this. We say we are his disciples, that we will lay down for his kingdom, that we will remain faithful to the Great Commission, that we will go out as we lay down our lives and make disciples of all nations further his kingdom but i wonder deep inside how many of us are actually guilty of that because we would rather stick with sunday christianity nominal christianity easy christianity casual christianity comfortable christianity what did jesus say to his disciples in matthew 28 18 to 20 it's the same commission that he gives to all of us right All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you um, always to the end of the age. He commissions us to go and make disciples. And if you want to be faithful to this, it's going to cost you something. For here's the thing. Embedded in this great commission, we also... See God's promise for those who remain faithful to this great commission, which is the great communion, which is verse twenty. What does He say? I will be with you until the age. And Paul trip as He reminds us that God not only commissions us, but He also accom- accompanies us. He never sends you out with, uh, to calling without going with you in glory, power, and grace. So this is the cost of non discipleship. If you're just if you're just caught up in your own bubble and want to do things comfortably, and you don't, that means you, you, you probably wouldn't be faithful to living out your life for the sake of the Great Commission to further his kingdom and his glory. And I wonder for how many of us if the Great Commission has become the great omission. And I wonder if that's been the case for, for how many of us right. So the Great Commission's at stake. The lost souls are at stake. Right? Something we need to really think about. And in order to follow Jesus wholeheartedly, I do believe that you must consistently demonstrate the following two things. Faithful obedience. And faithful obedience to what? The Word of God, the Gospel, the Great Commission, your spiritual allegiance to Jesus Christ you know, every day, And you need to to intentionally live out your heavenly citizenship here and now in the places that God has called out to be. Are you being a disciple of Jesus Christ? No matter what the cost. Another thing is faithful disobedience. And you might be wondering, faithful disobedience? I mean, isn't that an oxymoron? Let me explain here. I'm not sure if you guys are aware of what's been going on in in China um, regarding Early Rain Covenant Church, which is located in Chengdu. Um, But let me just um, briefly recap what's been happening in other parts of the world. And these are our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And on December 9th, over 100 members of Early Rain Covenant Church located in Chengdu, China, were arrested. And Pastor Wang Yi, who is a senior pastor of this church, and and his wife were also among those who were arrested and detained. And when he became aware of this, his impending arrest, Pastor Wang Yi, he specifically told his church to publish and release this letter that he had written in advance, um, if he should be detained for more than 48 hours. And I want to actually read this letter to you guys, and I want you to follow along. It's, 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 it's lengthy, But I I want you to, to read along with me so that you get what I'm saying in relation to the concept of faithful disobedience. And this letter is entitled, My Declaration of Faithful Disobedience. On the basis of the teachings of the Bible and the mission of the gospel, I respect the authorities God has established in China. For God disposes kings and raises up kings. This is why I submit to the historical and institutional arrangements of God in China, as a pastor of a Christian church, I have my own understanding and views based on the Bible about what righteous order and good government is. At the same time, I am filled with anger and disgust at the persecution of the church by this communist regime, at their wickedness of their depriving people of the freedoms of religion and of conscience. I believe that this communist regime's persecution against the church is a greatly wicked and unlawful action. As a pastor of a Christian church, I must denounce this wickedness openly and severely, The calling that I have received requires me to use nonviolent methods to disobey those human laws that disobey the Bible and God. My Savior Christ also requires me to joyfully bear all costs for disobeying wicked laws. As a pastor, my disobedience is one part of the gospel commission. Christ's great commission requires of us great uh, disobedience. The goal of disobedience is not to change the world but to testify about another world. The Bible teaches us that in all matters relating to the gospel and human conscience, we must obey God and not men. For this reason, spiritual disobedience and bodily suffering are both ways we testify to another eternal world and to another glorious King. Regardless of which regime I now uh, under under now and in the future, as long as uh, the secular government continues to persecute the church, violating human consciences that belong to God alone, I will continue my faithful disobedience. For the entire commission God has given me is to let more Chinese people know through my actions that the hope of humanity and society is only in the redemption of Christ and the supernatural and gracious sovereignty of God. If God decides to use the persecution of this communist regime— against our church to help more Chinese people to despair of their futures, to lead them through a wilderness of spiritual disillusionment, and through this to make them know Jesus. If through this he continues disciplining and building up his church, then I am joyfully willing to submit to God's plans, for his actions are always benevolent and good. If I'm in prison for a long or a short period of time, I hope God uses me by means of first losing my personal freedom to tell those who have deprived me of my personal freedom that there is an authority higher than their authority and that there is a freedom that they cannot restrain, a freedom that fills the church of the crucified risen Jesus Christ. Regardless of what crime the government charges me with, whatever filth they fling at me, as long as this charge is related to my faith, my writings, my comments, and my teachings is merely a lie and a temptation of demons. I categorically I categorically deny it. I will serve my sentence, but I will not serve the law. I will be executed, but I will not plead guilty. Separate me from my wife, children, and ruin my reputation. Destroy my life and my family. The authorities are capable of doing all of these things. However, no one in this world can force me to renounce my faith. No one can make me change my life, and no one can raise me from the dead. Jesus is the Christ, the son of the eternal living God. He died for sinners and rose to life for us. He is my king and the king of the whole earth, yesterday, today, and forever. I am his servant, and I am prison because of this. I will resist in meekness those who resist God, and I will joyfully violate all laws that violate God's laws. I firmly believe this is a spiritual act of disobedience. In modern authoritarian regimes that persecute the church and oppose the gospel, spiritual disobedience is an inevitable part of the gospel movement. I firmly believe that Christ has called me to carry out this faithful disobedience through a life of service under this regime that opposes the gospel and persecute the church. This is by means by which I preach the gospel, and it is the mystery of the gospel which I preach, the Lord's servant, Wang Yi. See, through this letter entitled my declaration of faithful disobedience, Pastor Wang, shows us the importance and the necessity of faithful disobedience that ultimately leads to more gospel witness. When was the last time you received mockery where people made fun of you because of your faith in Jesus Christ? Because even at this moment, the members of Early Rain Covenant Church are being persecuted. It's not over. And they are being persecuted. They are being imprisoned because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And their lives are being destroyed. And and their lives will never, ever be the same as long as they claim gospel witness. And for them, being a disciple of Jesus Christ is a matter of life and death. It's costly. And for them, following Jesus Christ comes at a great price the cost of discipleship is extremely high for them. But you know what the amazing thing is? Even in the midst of such intense persecution, the members of Early Rain Covenant Church are standing up for Jesus, no matter what the cost. And they're not ashamed. They are not sorry. And they're going to continue to stand firm in faith for Jesus, for in his kingdom, because they're realized This is the cost that they need to to gladly bear. But not only that, the cost of non-discipleship in China is far greater for the souls that will be eternally lost. So with that in mind, they stand firm, and they are not afraid of death. They don't fear someone who can destroy their body because they fear and worship the one who is able to destroy both body and soul, and their lives are firmly secure in their hands, and they're denying themselves and taking up their cross with joy and gladness. That's the key word, with joy and gladness because of what lies ahead, because of what is guaranteed to come, knowing that their heavenly citizenship is forever secure, that they're part of a kingdom that is coming, a part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and until their dying day, they're going to faithfully and joyfully guard the good deposit that has been entrusted to them. 2 Timothy 1.14. Do you know how they're able to do this? Do you know how people like Pastor Wang Yi, the members of the early rain church, and this is only in China In other parts of the world, people are being persecuted for their faith in Jesus Christ, for their love for Jesus Christ. But do you know how they're able to do this? It's because, as, as Paul has confessed, um, these words in, in Philippians chapter three, verses seven through 11, they consider all things rubbish, compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. And because of that, they gladly forsake their freedom, their comfort, as long as that means that the gospel will be proclaimed. That I may know Him in the power's resurrection, may share His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, and by means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. We see this being lived out in Pastor Wang Yi and all the members of the early Reign Covenant Church in China who are being persecuted right now, who are imprisoned. But here's the thing. They continue to remain faithful to God with joy and gladness. Because they know the cost of discipleship will be great. But at the same time, they're also mindful of the cost of non-discipleship. And this is why they continue to remain faithful no matter what the cost. I want to read you another letter. This letter was written by um, another member of the church, um, a wife of an elder of this church. And here it goes. And when her husband, uh, who is an elder at this church, got arrested, Zhang Xin Yu wrote this letter. And I want you to pay careful attention to every word. Dear husband, uh, last night I slept well, but when I woke up this morning, I heard that you had been taken away. At that moment, my heart got, uh, my heart a great uh, peace because I knew uh, you had already prepared for this moment long ago. I haven't been able to sleep tonight. I'm sure things are hard for you right now too, so I'll just accompany you in your sleeplessness. I want to tell you a few things in case you might see this. I heard that they usually bring you back uh, to your home when they search it. I subconsciously hope to use that opportunity to see you for a moment, but they still haven't come. I'm not going to wait any longer. I'm not afraid of them all uh, at all. On the contrary I pity them I hope you do too I know you must be worried about me because you've seen how much of a mess I've been lately but I'm doing well uh, but I'm doing very well now I've loved the Lord more these past two days than I've ever before more than anything, my heart is joyful and at peace. At night, tears flow by themselves, but it's not grief. It's hard to say exactly what it is. I just spend a long time thinking about it. I'm still thinking to myself, why are you crying? I finally asked myself, aren't you willing to experience this tiny little bit of pain for the Lord? My conclusion was I'm willing. I'm willing because I know that this slight momentary affliction is not worth comparing to the eternal glory that is to come. I'm willing to foot that bill. So why am I crying? It might just be that I'm human, but you can uh, completely relax. Crying is one thing. Finishing crying is another. I allow myself to cry, but I haven't felt the least bit of despair. Even if I look for it, I can't find any. Sometimes I want to despair for a moment and grieve a little bit, but I really don't feel like it, so forget about it. I think the Lord has replaced that despair with his fullness. The little ones miss you. I told them missing that is normal. It would be strange not to miss him. If you miss him, then miss him. Little then immediately said, after we fall asleep, we won't miss him anymore. And then he immediately fell asleep. This afternoon, I pray with you according to our agreed upon time. Sorry I was 10 or so minutes late. Lastly, I want to say that knowing what I'm going to receive as a result of what I'm going on through now makes me feel so much better. I really thank our Heavenly Father in Heaven. His plans are most certainly the best. They cannot be mistaken. So what's more is there to say? I will joyfully accept them. I love you. I'm going to bed now. December 12, 2018, 3.52 a.m. These are words of radical and courageous faith. And these are words of eternal hope. And these are words of a true, faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. I mean, what was your initial reaction after reading not just this letter, but even the last letter? Perhaps you told yourself, thank gosh this is not happening to me or my family. Or Even as you read this letter from this wife to her husband, whom she never may see again. Perhaps you're thinking, is she out of her mind? this is crazy but this is the cost that she is willing to pay to be a disciple of Jesus Christ and she knows also the cost of non-discipleship for her fellow citizens who may never ever come come to hear about the gospel unless they continue to stand in the midst of deep and intense ongoing persecution When I was reading this letter, I mean, I was just blown away. Because there's one part, she says, I've loved the Lord more these past two days than I have ever before. And more than anything, my heart is joyful and at peace. We'll probably, worse, you, we'll probably use words like, that's abnormal. That is crazy. She is crazy, right? But, but such words of confession have those... Who are living in other parts of the world who are being persecuted because they know that's the cost of discipleship that they have to bear, right? And she ends this letter by saying, I thank God. I thank my. God. Believe that what He is doing is for our good. He meant this for our good so that we as a church will grow up in the gospel. It is for our spiritual growth and maturity, and it is ultimately for the eternal good of those who will come to know him as long as we bear and endure the season of suffering and persecution. And it's ultimately for his glory, the advancement of God's kingdom in China. So with that in mind, understanding fully the cost of discipleship, the cost of non-discipleship, they stand. They stand. Because they know this... Light momentary affliction is nothing compared to the eternal weight of glory that is coming. So this is how Christians in other parts of the world are living. And this is a daily reality. It's not just a one and done thing. But they choose to live this way with joy and gladness. What about us, guys, living in America? Because compared to America, if you take a look around, Christianity looks radically different in other parts of the world. Suffering for Jesus, suffering for the sake of the gospel, that's normal. It's part of their everyday life. It's an ongoing reality. But here's the thing, guys. What has always been normal for Christians since the beginning is no longer the norm especially for us living in America. And I wonder why that is the case. And I think the problem is because we got so used to and have become so accustomed to doing the Christian life comfortably. Doing the Christian life, following Jesus Christ according to our own terms, and instead of obeying the words of Christ, remaining faithful to the Great Commission, Counting the cost of discipleship. Count also remembering the cost of non-discipleship. And I think Pastor Scott saw, he's absolutely on point when he says, it's because of the poverty of affluence. Meaning, being we're so accustomed to purchasing comfort that when we have, we have no category for suffering, persecution when it comes. We don't know what to do with it. But let me remind you, as this is a reminder for me, um, as I quote certain passages of Scripture, what we are to endure as faithful disciples of Jesus Christ, and it's not going to be easy. Always, there will come upon your suffering, persecution for the sake of the gospel. Philippians one twenty nine. For it has been granted to you that for your sake for, and for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in Him but also suffer for His sake. First Peter four. 12 through 14 and 19. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you're you're insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Revelation 2.10. Do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested. And for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. James chapter 1. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And the steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. If you're walking with God faithfully, and if you're faithfully bearing gospel witness as a disciple of Jesus Christ, in the places that God has called you to, you will meet trials. You will face persecution. And that ought to be the norm. When we are insulted because of the name of Jesus Christ, we shouldn't call that abnormal. That should be the norm. But are we willing to embrace that? And are we willing to to embrace, not just cost, but embrace the cost of discipleship for the sake of those around us who still do not know Jesus? Because the the cost of non-discipleship is eternally greater. John Piper, concerning the state of the Christianity in America, he writes these words. And I hope this will uh, punch you in the gut in in a good way and make you really think about it, honestly reflect uh, where you are in in your walk with God. Christians are experiencing unusual days in the United States of America. The opposition and even persecution we're beginning to face is not unusual at all in the history of Christianity, but it feels very strange and oppressive after more than 300 years of acceptance and even dominance in this nation. Stop expecting everything to go well. Stop trying to fit in here. Instead, fuel your life with the invincible and eternal hope of knowing Jesus Christ forever. We've come to take all the relatively minor benefits of following Jesus and elevated them above the massive real pleasures of knowing him, loving him, and dying and being with him forever. Everything's out of proportion in typical American Christianity. I don't want to be a comfort-seeking, entertainment-addicted, prosperity-loving, security-craving, approval-desiring Christian. We are not careful, and unless we stand intentionally as we count the cost of discipleship and non discipleship, this is where we're headed. And I do believe that. We're going to be that group of comfort seeking, entertainment addicted, prosperity loving, security craving, approval desiring Christians who want to be a disciple according to our own terms. Do it comfortably. Do it when we can. Do it when we're not busy. Type of discipleship, right? That's, unless we fight for this, that's we are headed brothers and sisters. And if you really want to leave a legacy of faith behind, you need to fight this. So that the children that God has blessed us with if this is an example that we are showing that we need to repent, that we need to wake up, perhaps this will be that wake-up call. In the starting 2019, you count the cost of discipleship. If nothing is costing you to follow Jesus, then, then you need to really think, right? Start writing down, what is costing me to follow Jesus? What will cost me to follow Jesus? But also count the cost of non-discipleship. Because there are people in your life that God has strategically placed. But what's keeping you from going after them? Because you're too busy? Because it's, it's too, it will get too messy, too difficult? You don't want to ruin your reputation? You don't want to ri- ruin uh, the, the rhythm and the flow of your life, your schedules? Which is true. Life is busy. Living in New York City, I mean, the daily demands of living here, and and on top of that, the daily demands of just being a parent, it just feels impossible sometimes, right? Or most of the time. But even in the midst of that, we need to be honest with ourselves because this is the season in which God is calling us to be, and this is the city that God has called us to be, his disciples, and I really pray and hope that even as we see gospel, you know, being able to bear gospel witness becoming, you know, increasingly more difficult, and it'll be that much more difficult for our kids. I really pray and hope that the, that we, as a church, but but we ourselves individually, that at least in starting twenty nineteen, instead of being swept the, swept away by the pattern of what Pastor John Piper has shared here, that we will go against that. No more comfort-seeking, no more entertainment-addicted, no more prosperity-loving, no more security-craving, no more approval-desiring, but rather take up my cross daily, deny myself, and follow Him, willing to bear whatever the cost my love for Him, that I'll do it with joy and gladness for the sake of those around me who still do not know Christ for the sake of his kingdom and his glory. And I really pray and hope that that will be the case um, for all of us and for our church in 2019 and beyond. Let's pray. Father, we do ask for forgiveness because even even when I look at my own life, this is an area where I have failed utterly. And we also pray for um, ourselves and our church, Lord, considering the state of the Christianity in America, Lord. The Father, would you help us and have mercy upon us so that at least starting in 2019 that we will not just casually go with the flow of where everyone is headed, but God, Would you help us to uh, count the cost of discipleship intentionally? And also remember um, to count the cost of non-discipleship, Lord, that by your grace that we will be even more devoted and faithful disciples who lay down our lives for the sake of your kingdom and to fulfill your great commission. And Father, we know that apart from you and your grace, this is not possible. So God, have mercy upon us. And may your spirit continue to enable and empower us so that What we ask of you now will become true. God, thank you so much for your faithfulness. In Christ let me pray. Amen.